Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. How are we, church? Good? Man, so good. Some We had a lingering applause there. That's how good John's hosting was this morning. Amen? It's a lot of announcements, and you just, you crushed it, man. A great job. Uh, so... Maybe one day some of you will be good enough at that, that you could do that. Apparently is what you just said. <laughs> That's fun. We'll see how that goes. Um, so I just want to give you guys an update before I jump into our message this morning um, about Pastor Kent and his role. Several of you know Pastor Kent. We're obviously led by him. He led and poured out in this place for uh, over 40 years. And I think there's been some uh, questions going on of like, what what is his role at this point? So all of last year, he served as our Pastor Emeritus, and he uh, effectively and non-effectively retired starting at the first of the year. And so um, the reason that's kind of like, what is the announcement here is because it's a little bit how we feel. He hasn't really retired. Um, he is still doing the empowerment class on Sundays and Wednesdays. He is still preaching next week on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I think would just be a, a great one for you to attend. If that's ever seemed muddled, muddled or murky to you in church teaching, I would invite you to come because he is going to teach that with great clarity next week. Uh, but he's also going to be uh, continuing to just help lead uh, John and I. We have coffee with him every week and he will be hopefully COVID willing, he'll be leading a uh, uh, pastor's conference down in Haiti like he does every fall. And so he's still intricately woven into this place. What he has retired from or kind of released from is being here for um, a routine or scheduled office hours or being involved in our staff meetings and planning meetings that we do weekly. And so he's, he's taken a step back for sure, but he's also leaning in, plugging in uh, just almost like as much like it has been before. So uh, just kind of want to give you that update and let you know, I think there's been some questions of, are we going to celebrate his career? And the answer is, of course, we like, we never are going to miss a chance to have a good party. We're just going to wait until we can actually have a good party when COVID is over. Amen. And so we're waiting for that day when it feels right to do that. Uh, obviously stay tuned. We will let you know what that's going to look like. And obviously everybody's invited. Cause like we said, we like to throw a good party. So you will be there. Um, just wanted to kind of clear that up and make it maybe as clear as mud for you all this morning. So hopefully I did just that. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue our series called According to the Spirit. And more than just the uh, kind of series that this is or a series title, uh, like I said last week, this is really going to hopefully frame us, be a word that would sort of guide us this year as we walk out, not just as individuals, but as a church together, that we'd be people who are marked by the Spirit of God. And last week uh, took some good time, I think, just trying to explain, man, there's a lot of weirdness that comes along with that. Uh, but it, simply put, what we're going to try and do in this series in particular, is look at different ways that we can just set our mind, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 8, according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. So we're not going to set ourselves according to just like our compulsions or our fleshly desires, the things that kind of like just stir up in us every now and then. But man, what would it look like if we were just who are a people marked by and living our life according to the Spirit? And so I want to continue that today with a message on fasting. I mentioned it last week. Um, I'm inviting all of our church family. So if you look around and you look around at this church and you're like, this is home. This is where I, I belong as a church. Man, I'm inviting you to fast with us. But I'll, as I go today, I want you to see that even if you're not part of our church family, um, I think a fast would be of great benefit for you to consider doing in your life, in a routine that you have. And so for the next 21 days, starting today, we're kicking off this time of 
fasting and like prayer and specific prayer. And so um, to kind of set the stage for where I want to go today, I want to talk about what Katie and I did in our house uh, from the week in between Christmas and New Year's. It's kind of like that funky week, right? You're just sort of in that waiting limbo time. And so what we did in that, in that time frame was we just systematically went through room by room, closet by closet, and we just purged a whole bunch of stuff. Any type A'ers just want to praise break for a second at that thought right there. Like we just threw so much stuff away and we, we cleaned up all these spaces. And what I want to explore with us today is how actually like restricting stuff down is a pathway to abundance. Like, like much, much less than what culture is teaching us today. Like this is how we're actually going to find thriving is in sometimes in restriction. So uh, as we were cleaning, as we were going through, um, one of the things we had to do was the basement. The basement, we finished our basement because we have three kids and that, that has become the like dungeon of all the kids stuff. So if it's like, what is it? I don't know. Throw it down in the basement. You know what I'm saying? All this stuff down there. And I don't know about some of you parents in the room, but as we were going on Christmas morning, like my kids are pretty fortunate that they have, they have both sets of grandparents here in town. They have a lot of great grandparents that are still in town. And so what that means is there's just there's a lot of stuff on Christmas morning. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't like, I'm, I'm on the one hand, I'm, I'm looking at all that stuff and I'm making sure they say thank you. And they ask who this is from before they rip it to shreds. And, and but the other thing that I'm doing at the same time is I'm like kind of spatially assessing the volume of these gifts. And in my mind, I'm going, that's how much crap needs to be thrown away from my basement. Anybody else? So like we were going through room by room and, and, like, listen, I think it's just, it's the COVID season we're in. Any of you other parents, don't just, don't leave me up here hanging to dry, okay? Um, I've had a lot of moments with my kids where I'm just like, hey, God bless you. I love you. Go into a different room. <laughs> Any, anyone that like, don't just leave me alone up here. I'm like having a vulnerable moment for a second where I'm just like, praise God. I love praying. I love playing with you. But for right now, you just need to be somewhere else in this house, right? And we can't all be in this same space for this long. I don't know what they're expecting, how much longer this is going to go. But like, gosh, I, I love you kids. Like I just, dad needs to sit on the couch with mom by, the, by themselves for a little bit. And, and we've been trying so hard to get them to play in the basement. So the basement was one of the places where we started cleaning first. And it was, it was really kind of Katie and I. We were like, hey, kids, go upstairs, go watch a movie. Mom and dad are going to clean the basement. And they were like, oh my gosh, mom, dad, that's, that's so kind of you. Right? They didn't actually say that because they don't, they don't say that. But <laughs> we're down there cleaning. And what we're actually doing is just throwing away like half their things. <laughs> yeah, right? And it's just so crazy how before it was like pulling teeth to get them to go play in the, in the basement. And now they're like eager to go down there and they're playing with all their stuff. And it, to them, it feels like they have more things because we cleaned it up, organized it, took out so much of their old stuff that was broken and threw it away. That now they're like, oh my gosh, there's actually so much stuff to play with. And this is what it's like to restrict ourselves down is actually not just like focused on depriving ourselves. It actually can be a way that we can experience abundance. And so I don't know what you've done in your house. If you've conmarried your closet at one point or gone through and you've picked up the stuff, you've asked, if, does it make you feel joy? And if not, you threw it away, right? You've gone through that whole process. You put everything in a box and you put it all in its spot. But man, when you just, you purge your closet and even though you have less things to wear, come on, somebody like some mom in the room right now, you, you've threw away half your stuff, but all of a sudden it feels like your wardrobe just got bigger. Yeah. And, and it's like, this is what happens. This, I think this is something that we see in marriage also, like by restricting all my options of all the women in the world down to this one woman, I actually, I actually find that I can thrive in intimacy there. 
Contrary to what the world is teaching me, that intimacy is going to be found in as many as having as much, getting as much, experiencing as much as possible. If I restrict it down to one person, that's where intimacy can flourish. And so this is, this is nothing that's new, but it certainly is what applies in principle and in the Bible to fasting. That in fasting, what we're not looking for is we're not just looking to deprive ourselves or just to be really hungry, but we're actually like considering and seeking how we might fill ourselves while we're feeling hungry. And so I just want to explore the topic of fasting for the message today. And what I'm going to do for you, again, you type airs. I feel like I'm just giving you extra love today, but here's my outline is we're going to say, what is fasting? Why would we do it? And what are we looking for while we do it? So, so what is fasting? We'll start there. Fasting, as simply as we can put it, is just going without food. Going without food, maybe sometimes going without water. Some people are going to go to define fasting in, in this way, not eating food or abstaining from something good in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John Piper says, fasting is your whole body hungering for God. So you have to understand the Christian's perspective is different than the, the dietary fad of intermittent fasting that might be really healthy for your waistline. It might, like it's different than how even other religions are going to view fasting. Fasting is not just a means of emptying. It's also a means of filling. That while we are, while we are hungering, we are also longing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so fasting shows up all throughout scripture. It's going to be in the Old Testament. It's also going to be in the New Testament. Individuals are going to be led to fast for different reasons, but also whole entire groups of people are going to fast for different reasons. You see the nation of Israel, when, they are, when they're having either judgment pronounced on them, there are several times where they as a nation will fast together. There's also times in the New Testament where entire church bodies are going to fast together. The church at Antioch is going to fast and pray as they send off leadership. You have, you have uh, the Galatian church in Acts 13 is like, it's a region of churches that are fasting together. And so it's, it's as simply as we can put it, it's going without food. And I want to show you this in Matthew chapter four. Uh, this is when Jesus is about to be tempted in the wilderness. And so it says, Matthew chapter four, but then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And in verse two right here, uh, this is maybe the most believable script like verse in all of your Bible. This one is the most easy to believe. And after for, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Amen, somebody? I ate breakfast a few hours ago and I'm already hungry. 40 days, 40 nights he went. But, but what we're going to see in this passage, and we'll come back to this in a little bit, is that there's so much more going on than Jesus being hungry. He's physically hungry and yet simultaneously he's spiritually full. So, so fasting, I want to kind of explain and tease out maybe the difference between fasting and abstaining from something, because I think we, we mix the definitions a lot in, in church language. And I even certainly did this last week as I set up fasting, but there is a difference between fasting food and just going without certain good things. And, and I don't want to really like split hairs on what counts as fasting. I think we certainly can get into that. Like, oh my gosh, does this count? Is this good enough? And that's not my intent in bringing this up. I just want to show you that there's a reason that it says that Jesus was hungry, physically feeling the pains of hunger. So we often will say things like, I'm fasting social media, right? And, and praise the Lord. Last night I was, I was sitting in my bed. I was going to wait to start the fast until after sundown today with everyone else. And I was going to fast social media is what I was saying to myself. And I got on Facebook and I saw a post like many of you did this week that I just said, that's it. I'm done. See you later. Deleted my Facebook app, deleted my Instagram app. 
I'll be back. Maybe never. We'll see. Right? And it's just like, but it's not really fasting. It's not me going physically hungry. It's really just me abstaining from social media. That you can, you, maybe some of you are doing a Daniel fast. You're abstaining from certain food groups, which let me just say, like, if you're doing a Daniel fast at some point in this 21 days, you're going to be hungry. There ain't enough vegetables in the world to make you feel full for long. <laughs> you, like, it's, at some point, you're going to hit the end of that rice and beans. You're going to be like, no. Uh, like, no, I, I am still hungry. You will feel the physical pains of hunger, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't really mix the definition of going without something that's good. And the reason, like, the, where scholars are going to kind of disagree on whether that counts as fasting comes from 1 Corinthians when Paul says it would be a good thing for a man and a woman to consider in marriage going without marital intimacy for a time. In prayer and fasting are the exact words that he uses there. And so like kind of the question is, does that going without a good thing count as fasting? Here's, here's what I'll say. I don't want to argue whether going without food, going without social media is a good thing because oftentimes I think abstaining from other things that are distracting you from your relationship with God during a fast can, can really just compound the effect of the fast. So like, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm going without social media. There's other things that we are going to go without during this time, but I'm also going to make sure, and I want you to make sure as we go through this 21 days, that at some point in that time frame you find yourself hungry. Because as I have those hunger, hunger pains, my mind should be drawn up to what the Lord is doing in me at that time. That's why we're going to be fasting. Um, so, but why? Like, I think the question really is like, why? This is, isn't this such like an old school thing to do? Like, why would we fast? Um, I, I think, you know, if you told your friends at work, maybe people who didn't go to church that you were considering doing a fast, you might get accused of like being involved in a cult or something. I don't know. Like, it's kind of a weird thing. Like in the age of indulgence that we live in, in the age of instant gratification that we are steeped in right now, like fasting sounds weird to people. We're going to do what? Why? That's crazy. And so like, here is why we'll do it. I'll give you a few reasons and they get more significant as we go. The first reason would be because this has been part of church tradition and, and a discipline that the church has observed for thousands of years. So like, like I, here's a, I'm going to show a quote but before I show it, or before you read it, that like, I don't know that I totally agree with John Wesley here, but I like the weight of this quote. So he says, I fear there are now thousands of Methodists. John Wesley was the, he's the father of the Methodist movement. Um, his leadership in the church is still being felt in this nation today. Just a, a pillar of leadership in the church, in church history. And here's what he says. I fear there are now thousands of Methodists, Methodists, so-called. Like, don't you love that kind of like passive aggressive slight he just throws in there? He's so-called Methodist, but you don't even, he says, both in England and in Ireland who following the same bad example have entirely left off fasting twice a week. They do not even fast twice a month, right? Uh, like I said, I like the weight of this quote. I'm not sure I totally agree with it. The man who never fasts is no more in the way to heaven than the man who never prays. So Wesley's going to go that extreme. Like fasting was so part of what the church did for a couple thousand years. Um, like a two day a week fast was normal for the church to skip breakfast and lunch on Monday and on Thursday to go without and then to have to break the fast after sundown on those days. So it's important to note, like fasting all over scripture is different time lengths and it's going to go with, without food and possibly as much as 40 days. Like your body can go a long time without food when it's food and water, like the Esther fast that she calls the nation into uh, is without food and water for a much shorter time. 
And so, like, there's all sorts of patterns, there's all sorts of different ways about it, but, but the church has done this for so long, since the very beginning. The other reason that we would consider fasting is because uh, Jesus kind of assumes that we will fast. Look at this passage after, out of Matthew chapter 6. Um, he says, and when you fast, not if you fast, He's not, he's not saying, hey, like, I got this crazy idea. You might fast at some point. No, he says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, there it is again. He's saying, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. It's like, take a shower, run a brush through your hair, look presentable, right? And that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, this is not to say that like we can't talk to each other about how we're fasting. This means that like our heart's posture while we're fasting cannot be for the impression of others. We can't be trying to like, like make people say, oh my gosh, look at how holy he is. Oh my gosh, she's so like in tune with the spirit of God. She would just fast. For, like that's not why we're doing it. We're doing this again to, to incite in us, to stir up a hunger in us for Jesus. And that's a personal thing that we're doing. But again, like fasting, it's shown publicly. It's shown with all sorts of larger groups in scripture that we can do this together. We can talk about it. You ever felt like just like, I can't even tell anybody else about the fact that I'm fasting. And it's like, I've felt that at times where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm fasting today. It's Wednesdays without, like, and there's other people eating lunch. And I just don't want to tell them that I'm fasting. You ever feel that pressure? It's not that we have to be so secrety about it. It's just that our heart posture cannot be doing it for show, right? That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it to create a hunger for the Lord in us. And so Jesus assumes it. It's, it's been a pillar practice in the church. Uh, but really what I want to hone in on today is fasting helps us win the battle between the flesh and the Holy Spirit inside of us. So let me kind of take a couple minutes to unpack really a theology of what fasting is doing in like our inner being, not just in our body. Like obviously like we're going to get hungry, but what is it doing inside of me while I'm fasting? And so and we're not going to turn there, but if you go all the way back to the creation narrative in Genesis chapter two, right, we see that man is going to be formed and, and God is going to, as he's forming the rest of creation, he just speaks it out into existence and he, he creates the stars, he creates the water, he creates the fish, the life, everything else on earth. And then as he forms man, he picks him up and he breathes life into him. He puts the breath of God into man. The word there is ruach. The spirit of God is then put inside humankind. So that we are not made like the rest of creation. We actually have the life of God, the spirit of God inside of us. And so that makes us what theologians are going to call integrated beings. So we're not like animals. Like animals have a body, but they do not have the spirit in them. You know what I'm saying? Like as much as you love your dog, and I know you love your dog, and I know that your dog is awesome and can perform all sorts of sweet tricks. Your dog is not a person. Like, I just, I want to lovingly just tell you that this morning. Like, like your dog, as cool as it could be, is going to at some point break down regardless of how well you've trained it. And it's going to revert back to its animalistic behavior because it does not have the Holy Spirit compelling it for what it ought to do or what it ought not do. Your dog's not sitting there considering, oh my gosh, listen, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And this is going to cause these sort of ramifications in my spirit. And that's going to lead to the, like, no, your dog's not thinking through that. It's thinking, I'm hungry. There's food on the table. I'm going to eat it. And if you've like whacked your dog enough, then it might hesitate for a little bit, but eventually it's a dog and it's going to jump up there and it's going to eat it. So 
we are not animals. We have the spirit of God living in us. I'm sorry, like I didn't mean to just like rent, like just bash dogs there for a second, but it just, just came out of me. So we're also not on the other side where we're spirits detached from a body. Like to be angels and demons. And I know like we don't like to talk about this in, in kind of our Western way of thinking that we don't think of the spiritual often, but there is this whole side of like there are angels and demons and they have a spirit, but they do not possess a body. So we are the one side of creation that has both. And what Paul's going to write on here in the book of Galatians, what he wrote on similarly in Romans 8 that we looked at last week, is there is this war inside of you against two things. And it's not your body against the spirit. It's your flesh. It's this inner craving that's tempted and led by Satan, by yourself, by your own rebellion from God. You're like your body is not the enemy. When he's talking about your flesh, he's talking about this thing that is in you that desires against the things of God. And that's where Satan's going to tempt you. And that is where this kind of battleground is taking place is between your flesh and the spirit inside of you. So let's read in Galatians chapter five. If you want to turn there uh, in your Bible, if not, it's going to be on the screen. But we're going to read a few more verses here. So I'd love if you have your Bible, you could kind of jot in here or see this for yourself. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. Walk in step with what he's leading you to do. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. And let me just pause, like right there. Like the church loves to just focus on those. And we love to really call out when we see like wrongs in those categories. But the list is longer than those few things. He keeps going to say idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, when people are so angry or frustrated that they kind of lose control of themselves and do things that they would later regret. I think we all watched some of that happen this week. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And so one of the reasons why we're going to focus in on fasting, one of the things we hope would, we would accomplish individually and collectively as a church is that we would start winning the war of the flesh and the spirit inside of us. That we, wouldn't, that we wouldn't be so swept up in what culture is kind of calling us into is just like, you do you. Like just, if you, if you want it, then have it. Like just have more. I, like there, there are 10 kinds of corn at the store. Do you know what I'm saying? That, like how, how can that even be possible? There's corn, that's it. Like there's corn and yet we just like live in this age where there's just like abundance and it's just like indulge and, and have seconds, have another round. Like there's just all of this, like just do what feels right in the moment. And, and, and yet what the Bible's calling us to, uh, 
which is crazy, is that that's not what freedom looks like, to be able to do whatever you want. This is important because I think we've, we've all felt this over the last like eight months, even like for sure, me personally. Freedom, according to Paul right here, is not the ability to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Freedom is being led by the Spirit of God. That's what freedom looks like. He's going to lead us into abundance in freedom in Jesus. That's the pathway to freedom. And so here's, here's the lie that we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves that like, I'm free and I get to do everything that I want and I choose what I want to do. And my, my question would be like, yeah, but what about that thing that you keep doing that you don't want to do? Do you know what I'm saying? Like you keep, you keep, you keep getting swept up in this compulsion in an instant and you kind of swore to yourself, last time it happened, I would never do that again. And yet here you are doing it again. And so like, I love that in Romans chapter seven, we read Romans chapter eight last week, which is talking about, man, we're like what we're doing in this series. We're just going to set our mind to the spirit because setting your mind to the spirit is life and peace. Setting your mind to the flesh is going to reap death in your life. And so, so like Romans chapter seven, though, Paul actually like gives us a little window into his humanity, which I just find refreshing. I don't know about you, like whenever I read Paul's writing, I just feel like, what are you like wearing a cape everywhere you go, bro? Like, just like, like, man, like he's not even needing to be present at his healings. People just take his handkerchief and stuff. And that's got enough anointing in it somehow to heal somebody else. Like, are you serious, Paul? You just say things like to live as Christ and to die as gain. If you beat him up and tell him not to share the gospel, he's out doing it again, like in no time. Like Paul's this superhero. But in Romans chapter seven, I would just beg you to read it this week, especially if you kind of have these compulsions that you keep turning to, to just find rest in the fact that even Paul himself says, man, I have these things that I keep doing that I don't want to do. And then I, and then I have things that I know that I should do that I'm not doing. And what is he setting up? He's setting up for us this idea of like, man, there's a battle going on in you for the flesh to do what the flesh wants to do and for the spirit of God to do what the spirit of God wants to do in you. And as we fast, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be starving the flesh. We're going to be practicing that discipline to get in there and say, no, I'm not going to just do the things that you want. Because what we should look for while we're fasting is those moments, not just when you're hungry. Like, of course, I've said, we're all going to get hungry. I'm going to be hungry tomorrow morning at like 11 o'clock. Again, I'm going to feel hungry. But the other thing that I'm looking for while I'm fasting is those moments when I want to eat, even when my stomach's not hungry. Oh, come on. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I am a stress eater. Just a little window into my soul. All right. When I'm watching like a basketball game that I care about, Duke's about to lose North Carolina or something's happened. I don't just eat the food in front of me. I massacre it with my mouth. I'm, I'm serious. You ever been around it sometime when I'm, when I'm like in sermon prep mode and I'm running out of time and I'm trying to get it done? Like I will devour anything and it won't be pretty. It won't be pretty. It, to the point where Katie sometimes will just be like, you need to stop eating. Like this is important for our relationship that you just know. And so like, here's what happens is I've realized that I, I a lot of times will turn to food when I'm stressed. I'm not alone in that. Maybe when you're anxious about something, maybe when you're feeling like that kind of unforgiveness, you have some relational tension in your life, uh, you know what's going to help in a moment? Chocolate chip ice cream. Am I wrong? Y'all acting like it's just me up here today. Just leaving me hanging out to dry. Like, like we will turn to food when we're feeling certain things. And what we should be looking for while we're fasting is what, what we're turning to in a moment that we haven't laid at the cross of Christ. As, as we're like running and there's like, man, you, you you're not convinced that you have unforgiveness in your heart. Like, I know you don't, you have no unforgiveness, but then you just keep practicing that conversation with that one person in your head and you're just like getting them and the conversation is going perfectly. And if you have that, man, sometimes what we'll do is we'll just like crush a whole bag of Doritos. 
And that helps for a moment, doesn't it? Like it makes you feel good for a second while you're eating it, but then the bag's gone, you're ashamed and you're just like, oh, my stomach doesn't feel right. And what you notice then when you're fasting because you didn't do that is you're like, man, there's this response in me that I want to eat because food is one of the most accessible compulsions to entertain. And instead of eating, we're going to go, man, okay, like I feel like, I feel like eating something right now. What is it, God? And what is it that I have not surrendered fully to you? And so in our fast, like that's what we're looking for is we're looking for something to kind of well up in us that we haven't laid down at the feet of Jesus. But I love this Richard Foster in his quote um, and or in his book, Celebration of Discipline, which I would totally recommend if you want to learn more about not just fasting, but all of the spiritual disciplines. And in fact, in this series, we're going to look at a few more spiritual disciplines and rhythms. But he says this, fasting reveals the things that control us. He goes so far to say it, that they are in control of us because again, you, we're convinced that freedom is doing anything we want whenever we want, but we find out pretty quickly that, wait, maybe I'm not driving as much as I want to be driving. Maybe my flesh is actually steering this a lot more than I want to. And so fasting is going to reveal what controls us. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear. If they are within us, they will surface during fasting. So like this is what we're looking for. And, and it's important again to remember, like we're not just masochists. We don't just love pain. We're not just doing this to inflict as much pain on my flesh as humanly possible. Now, listen, like I discipline my body. I make it my slave. Like that is, that is a passage. That is something we're going to work on is saying no to our flesh and starving our flesh. But it's also just important during this time that we also feed on something. It's just not going to be food. We need to build ourselves up in the spirit. And so it's a two-way fight that we're facing. We're, we're longing to be filled with more of him and we're longing to put to death the things of the flesh in us. And so the, the way that you can think about this is that fasting like is almost always going to be coupled in scripture with prayer. So often you'll read it like there's lots of mentions of prayer in the Bible where it doesn't mention fasting. There's almost no mentions of fasting without prayer in the Bible. And so like, it's important what we're doing during this time, we want to find, find some time to like make an extra effort to pray. And we're going to spend Tuesdays and Thursdays. This room will be open from noon to one and you can just have drop in prayer. Maybe that's going to be a day you're going to skip lunch. Even if you're doing a Daniel fast or something like that, you can just figure out a way to get here and get some time where we're going to corporately, but then just have some individual time to just seek the presence of God. Because what we're longing to do is we're longing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's two marks of maturity. Um, that you can be really disciplined to be mature. And that would be like, I'm consistently choosing things that even though they don't feel good in a moment, I'm going to do these things because I'm trusting that they will be good for me later. Right? I think that's pretty understandable. The other side of this maturity would be having good self-control. So self-discipline, self-control. Self-control would be even when I'm tempted in a moment, even when I have something that comes at me in a moment, I have the control to say no. Here's what's crazy. Discipline, I believe we are responsible for on our end. We need to, we need to purpose. We need to get friends around us. We need to like find a tribe that's going to help us be disciplined. But self-control comes from where? The Spirit. We just read it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what we're acknowledging when we're fasting is we're, we're saying there is a power beyond me that I need to have victory over this thing. And I need, to be, I, need to, I need to access him. I need to feast on the spirit of God in this time so that he might get in me because it's going to be his fruit that's going to be transforming and reworking me. Like I love that your, your deepest desire as a Christian 
if, if you are a Christian, your deepest desire is for the things of God. But that's not always your strongest desire. And you might have a moment where your strongest desire shifts to something that is of your flesh, not of the spirit. Even simultaneously, like your deepest desire doesn't, doesn't change. But in a moment, and this is how, this is how things like, like lust, things like anger are just going to kind of well up out of nowhere, right? Like that person cuts you off in traffic and you're like, I'm going to kill you. Like that's kind of your initial reaction, right? And you're like, whoa, where, like where did this anger just come from? You know, like I got to check this anger out. And it's because, man, my deepest desire is for Christ. But there are moments where people are driving poorly that I just like, I'm about to lose it. You know what I mean? And that's because my strongest desire in a moment can answer to my flesh, not to the spirit. But what, I'm, what we're longing to do in this process of fasting is starve my flesh, build up that disciplined muscle that says, I'm not going to turn to the mint chocolate chip ice cream that's in my freezer when I'm, when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling anxious. Side note, don't keep mint chocolate chip ice cream in your freezer if you're trying to fast. That's a no-brainer. But the other thing that I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and make time. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to spend time in worship. I'm going to spend time in prayer. So I have a couple more things that I just want to hit on quickly that fasting, like some other side benefits of fasting um, that we're not going to have a ton of time to really unpack. But there's a few other reasons that the church might consider fasting or the Christian might consider fasting. The first one would be to stand in solidarity with the poor. You see this actually biblically where, where what we want to do when we're fasting is we want to gain an empathy for people who go without food on a consistent basis. And so we want to, when we feel what it feels like to be hungry, man, next time a food drive or next time something comes up where we can, where we can give people food, we go like, oh man, no, like I remember that pain and they're probably feeling that right now. So that's something we look for when we're fasting. The other reason that we fast is for lament. So in the Old Testament, Israel often will lament their position with God. They have strayed and they're lamenting to come back into the right positional holiness with God. And that's, that's not how we lament. We do not, we not fast for positional holiness with God. He is our, Jesus has already granted that to us. But now when we lament, we're lamenting the kingdom that is to come that is not here yet. So when we look out and we see the brokenness of the world and when I'm fasting, I'm going to be praying and seeking for direction of God. Where are things happening in this city? Where are things happening in this world that are not in alignment with your kingdom? And I'm going to pray for the tragedies. I'm going to pray for the just tough stuff that is going on even right now. Personal stories right now of just heartbreaking things happening. And I'm, I'm going to say, okay, Spirit of God, how might I step into that hurting space? How might I get involved to bring and usher in your kingdom? The, the other thing that we might um, look for during fasting is breakthrough. Um, there's, there's this awesome story. Go look it up on your own if you want to in Matthew chapter 17, where this guy brings his possessed son to the disciples and, and they can't heal him. They can't fix it. So they call in Jesus and Jesus, I don't know, Katie and I kind of disagreed. She feels like he's like, she's just grieved by the lack of faith. I feel like Jesus was like annoyed with them because he's like, how long do I have to put up with these guys? And, and then he heals this guy's kid. And then like in the sidebar later, you know, the disciples are like, Jesus, like, how'd you do that, bro? And, and he's like, well, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So like, I, I wish we had a whole sermon we could have done on that right there. Like this kind, like there's kinds of demons, like what, hold on, like this is crazy. And then it only comes out by prayer and fasting. There's a level of breakthrough that can happen while we fast together. And so when I'm praying, I'm going to be praying for specific people who are far from God, prodigals and friends that I know, people who aren't walking with the Lord, people who need a miracle right now in their health, people who need provision like crazy. Like I'm going to be praying for the miraculous to break through. 
And that's what we should be looking for while we're fasting as well. The other time, like I said, is, or the other thing that we should be doing absolutely while we're fasting is prayer. The two are inextricably linked together. We ought to fast, and while we're fasting, we ought to pray. Um, I just have a couple more minutes. We're going a little bit late, but it's fine. Right? Um, I just want to encourage you as we kind of start, we kick off this 21 days together uh, to be, to be careful of kind of like this legalistic mindset setting in. Katie and I, we, we sat on our couch yesterday and we're just kind of praying through. We just had some uneasiness about what this fast was going to look like for us. And we're praying through it. And, and like, I'll, I'll say, we are not like professional fasters. I'm, I'm not like a twice a week kind of faster. Um, like that's, that's not us, but we're like, okay, we're eager to see what the spirit of God might do in this 21 days. And we just, we said, man, you know what? It feels like we're just kind of shitting on ourselves. You ever been there? We're just using all these shoulds of things that you should be doing or think like people are doing this. So I should do this. And man, like, just don't go there. Like, don't let this spirit of like comparison seep in right now. Don't let this legalistic mentality of like, oh my gosh, what is it that everyone else is doing? Should I do that as well? Like just seek the spirit for you. Every single person is on a different spot with fasting and with their spiritual journey. And so I just want to, here's what I want you to do. I just want to invite you to consider taking the next step with fasting. Maybe you've done Wednesdays without for a long time. Like, so, so do a little bit more this time. I'm not asking anybody who's never fasted before to go 21 days without food for the next, for like starting tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like, that's not what we're doing here, but I want everyone to take their next step. And I said this last week, but I want to be all the more clear this week that if you maybe have an unhealthy relationship with food, like maybe you've had an eating disorder at times, and and maybe you know that if you start fasting, it could trigger somewhere that you don't want to go again, emotionally and physically. And like maybe your step in this 21 days would be uh, to get a little bit healthier in that relationship with food. Maybe you seek out counsel from, from a therapist. Maybe you talk with a pastor about it, talk with your small group leader, and you, you seek to heal up a little bit so that one day you can participate in this spiritual rhythm in a healthy way. Maybe you like, maybe you're just not in, like your doctor has said to you, don't consider fasting. Maybe your step in this 21 days would be to ask your doctor what things I can do so that I might get a little bit healthier before we do this again. Right, because like, like I just, I think there's so much to be had for us in this. I think there's so much breakthrough. Um, fasting is going to be almost like completely agreed upon by scholars as one of the best ways to gain victory over physical, like your body committing sins. So whether that's like overindulging in food or whether that's uh, like an addiction that you might have to pornography or like something like that. Like this is going to be one of the ways that I believe the Spirit of God is going to bring breakthrough into your life. And so I'm just asking you to consider it. Just asking you to lean in over this next 21 days. Amen? All right, stand and let's pray. And let's remember, like, I felt compelled to just remind us of this last service that your freedom, you experiencing freedom and abundance in Christ, is not in you doing all the things that you want to do all the time. Like, it's actually found in you limiting yourself to follow after the Holy Spirit alone and to be in submission to Him and to what He would have you do in any given day. So Jesus, we just ask that you would help us in this. God, we're like, we're, um, first of all, we're hopeless without you, without your victory over sin. We, we have no place to stand in this conversation. So God, we're, we're grateful for you. Even as we've taken communion today, just the, like your broken body, your spilled blood has bought this for us. And so God, I pray against the spirit of legalism. God, would we, would we just, would we not see this as something we have to do, but would we see the opportunity that exists in this 21 day period? Lord, I pray for just more of you. 
more of you in us. Would we be a people that just walk according to your Holy Spirit? Would we be led by you? Would we be filled with you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. 